my focus this morning is on the impact of the early church had on the people in the world. Look back at what we see in the end of the Gospels and beginning of Acts and what Christ was trying to do to the church, to those individuals that he started with, the, the 12, and then became the 120. And his, what his spirit did in touching them and moving them. And so that's where my, my focus is this morning and what God, and dare to believe what God will begin to do in us if we stand in faith, believing that he will touch us. Amen? Amen. Well, I just want to tell you a little story. A missionary helper in Africa once described a regular meeting she had with a, with a new Christian in Somalia. That regular appointment was secret because there was a Muslim nation and he was Muslim. On this particular evening, she reviewed the memory verse for that week. It was, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. That's Psalms 118. After discussing the verse, she sang the familiar chorus with this. The young man was so delighted. The idea of singing raised a question for him. When there is more than one Christian, what other things do you do? She said, we can and should experience the presence of God alone. But special things happen in our experience and happen when Christians gather together. Think of the things that we would miss if there was just one of us as a Christian. Think of the things you, you would miss if you were not here in his presence today. Christ tells us again, truly, I tell you, if two of you agree on earth about anything, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. He didn't say one, he said two. We were created to fellowship. We were created to be together as a family. Christ goes on in Matthew 18 and says, for where there are two or three are gathered in my name, that's here today, I am there among you. See, there is no fear that God is not here. You can feel his presence. You can, know, you can sense God's anointing that's in this house today because his word just began to tell us. Just imagine the strength we would have when we're all together in the Lord. Just imagine the power we are given when we're all together in the Lord. So many people today that proclaim, and proclaim to be Christians, and I'm not judging them, but say that I can do this on my own. I don't need to go to church. I can sit home and I can watch you know, it on, on TV or on, online. And I want to tell you, that's a, that's a lie from the enemy. And the reason I say that is because God wants us together because there's strength in numbers that we just pointed out as we pray and we come together. God wants us together so we can fellowship. And when we're hurting, we can rely on each other for that point to come and comfort us. Amen. The enemy wants you pulled away from the pack. He wants you alone. And what happens when we're alone? We usually sit there and wallow in the things that are not going right for us. We usually sit there and get into a little, you know, issue where we're down and we're, we're maybe down on what we think God is not hearing us and listening to us. And so that, there are things that I think God wants from us as we come together and corporately. And I know there's things that enemy wants from us not to come together. Because the power 
that is here today. It's not about our power. It's not about our strength. It is the power and the strength that we walk in as born-again believers in Christ and what we can do to accomplish him. These are the beliefs that being alone and being away that hinder our faith. So today, we're, and we're continuing our series on the renewed mind. Yeah. Renewing the mind is a little like uh, refinishing furniture. It is a two-stage process. It involves taking off the old and replacing with the new. You kind of get that one, George, right? <laughs> the old are the lies or the habits we've been taught, maybe from childhood or from others. And we're taught and we come up with these attitudes and ideas and they come into our adulthood. And what it does is it hinders the walk that we have with Christ as we begin to walk out our journey. The new is the truth. The renewed mind is to involve yourself in the process of allowing God to bring to the surface those lies. That old nature that we live by. That old way that we live by. You have mistakenly accepted and replaced them with truth. The purpose of it is that we get into Christ. We begin to get into his word. And God begins to bubble up those things with us. And it, what it happens is, is those, those lies and those situations, those things that are false, they can't stand up to the word of God. Why, this is truth. This is life. And it, what it does is, is we read it, and as we pray over it, and as we seek God with this, he begins to take those old things out. He says that we are new creatures in Christ when we come to him. The old things are gone and passed away. We have the mind of Christ. The issue is, do we walk like we have the mind of Christ? Do we allow him to fill us, and do we walk according to the old nature, or do we walk according to the new nature? Listen to what Billy Graham says here. Most of all, let the word of God fill you and renew your mind every day. When our minds are on Christ, Satan has little room to maneuver. Think about that. That's powerful. When our mind is on Christ, Satan has little, thing, little bit of time to maneuver us. Why? It's because we're thinking about Christ and what Christ is going to do in our life. We're thinking about what God is going to use me for that day to be able to touch this world and to lay out and to bless this world. So what I want to look at this morning is the tail end of the Gospels and how we see Christ leaving his disciples and that 120 and what we see as they move into Acts that 120, what God does from the time Christ ascended to the day of Pentecost. Those were 40 absolutely, must have been incredible days. They were constantly, they said they're continually in prayer. We see right before the, at the end of the Gospels that, you know, the, the, the disciples were weak. They, they were fallible. But the day after Pentecost or the day of Pentecost, we see a new vision. We see new men and women we see their strength. Why? It's because that time in prayer, that time in the presence of Jesus after he, is, after he came back and rose, that renewed their mind and renewed their spirit. They saw what the breaking of the curse of the death did when Christ came back. They knew that nothing would hinder them in their walk. They went out with full abandonment serving God in everything that, they've asked, that he asked them to do. 
So we're going to read from Mark chapter 14. This is Jesus speaking. He says he came back a third time. Remember, if you go back into the Gospels and you see that after the, the Lord's Supper, at the time of the Lord's Supper, he, he prophesied that one of them would betray him. And Peter stood up, and what did Peter say? No, not I, Lord. Then he began to prophesy, Peter, this is what you're going to do. You're going to deny me three times. Why? Is because at that point, Peter's mind had not been fully renewed. Peter's faith had not really been renewed. So he goes on and said, are you, and he'd been, he'd been alone praying, and he came back, and listen to what he says is, are you going to sleep all night? No. You've slept long enough. Time's up. This is, the son of man is about to be betrayed into the hands of the sinner. Get up, and let's get going. See, I think that's a command. I think that's a, that's, that is a command that Christ has put on us. That is the title of my message today, is get up and let's get going. Why are we waiting? Why are we wanting to hell back? Because the enemy is trying to deceive us, trying to let us know that we can never accomplish anything, maybe because our past or our mind won't allow us to believe and understand. So we're going to read in Acts chapter 2, beginning with verse 42. And we're going to discuss these a little bit in further, but I want to, this is, they, as I said, they had been in the presence of the Lord. They had spent 40 days in prayer. Peter had stood up on the day of Pentecost. As we see from the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit began to move. And it said that things began to shake and rumble. And what we see is that Peter standing up, this person that just a few short weeks earlier had denied Christ because one girl pointed him out, yet now he has the gumption and the strength to stand up and proclaim who Jesus is, not just to the 120, but to over thousands of people that were there for the holiday season. It wasn't because he, he felt it obligated. No, it was because something in his spirit, the command that Christ had been teaching them from the time they had met resonated with him. And it came to a point, I believe, Peter said, why not me? Why not now? And he stood up and began to proclaim. And this is what takes place after that time. So starting in verse 42, it says, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and the many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And of all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Verse 46, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. And breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. It is my hope as we look back at this passage today and we look at this, we understand the impact that was happening at that time. See, Christ told them when he left them, greater things you will do and those beyond, beyond you will do, not because of what I'm leaving you, but because I'm sending you my Holy Spirit. Yeah. 
because that through the power of the Holy Spirit, greater things will happen because not on our strength, not because of what we're doing, but because of what the Holy Spirit begins to do in each one of us. That's why I say let's go and let's get going because the power of the Spirit of God rests on each one of us. We limit him by our belief and we limit him, I think, by our fears. And I think we limit him because we're, we're, we've stopped at points in our life and we've just stopped saying, Lord, no, no more. We limit ourselves maybe because of our age or we think that because people have said stuff over us, that really is, we're not, we can't do those things and accomplish the things for God. Maybe because we looked at our past and because of that past, it really, you, we think in ourselves, God can't use us. And I'll tell you, that is a lie. Because Paul was a murderer. Paul was doing out persecuting the church. And yet, God used him to do some of the greatest work, what we see in the New Testament. So I want to look at these, these passages individually here. Verse four, uh, chapter 2, 40, 42 says, They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And I know Pastor ended with this and kind of covered some of this last week, but I want to, I think it's really important we understand this as we come back together and talk about it. They were actively attaching themselves to the teaching of the apostles. Why? Because the teaching of the apostles, they had been in the presence of Jesus for these last 40 days. They had been in the presence of Jesus for three years. And what Jesus had imparted into them, they are now taking it and imparting into to those new disciples. That's what the Word of God is. If you think that you never hear from God, maybe it's the way we approach Him in the Word. Because God begins to speak to us each and every day. We get into His Word. Yes, I know there are tough portions in there. I'm in the midst of going through Leviticus, and it is dry at times. But you know what? God can take passages, and he can use them to renew our mind. We understand the importance of why change must happen in our thinking. They actually attached themselves to the teaching of the apostles. That was the central con the content of what Jesus was here for them. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He set the bar up. He set that bar that we strive for righteousness, that we strive to be close to him. Why? It's because he doesn't want the bar set low. He did set it high. Yes, there is grace. And, we are, and I thank God for it because I mess up daily. If anyone else in here can say amen. amen. But he set the bar high where he wants us to strive for why? It's because when, when keep, we keep striving, that old nature and that old mind begins to, to wash away. But God begins to renew our mind and lets know, us know that things are not impossible. They actively attach themselves to one another in fellowship. There was really no individual thinking at that point in that community. They, they were together as family and friends. Think about that. You know, I grew up in a church setting where after church, a lot of us would go out to eat, and especially the youth groups that we were, I was part of. And that's the, that continuing with fellowship or continuing with one another is being around. I love being around those in the church. Why? It's because they lift me up. When I mess up, I, I, they're there just to kind of love on me. They're there to kind of walk me through. There's a sense of camaraderie amongst each other. 
We genuinely like each other. And if you struggle with liking those that are Christians, you might have a problem one day getting into heaven. <laughs> because God has called us to come together as a family. See, what, what happens is and why they were striving together with that friendship and that coming together is because they were, they were suppressing and laying down their needs before the Lord each and every day. It wasn't, Lord, lift me up higher. It was, Lord, I lift you up higher, higher in each and every day, so that you may be seen by this world, not that I might be, be seen. They were actively, and they were loyal in their friendship. Let me tell you that. That is a, that is a big issue. We have to, with social media today, we have too many people that want to go around and gossip and share things that we're, maybe we've shared, and so many people, and that's a trick of the enemy, that so many people have been offended and hurt because of people they've confided in begin to speak. That loyalty stays when people say stuff to you, you don't share. And I, I believe in that community, they, help, they felt the common good of that they could share their life and what they're, what they're struggling against. And those individuals would not get out in the community. They would pray over each other and help them through it. They actively attached themselves to the breaking of bread. Now, I know that some think that this, is, that this might just be the Lord's Supper they were coming, but I actually think they were actively coming together for meals. Maybe not every day, but they were coming together, and they were, they were enjoying those times. How do you get to know people unless it's not around the table? You really can't. That was one thing our mom and dad pressed upon us that every night we were going to have dinner. No matter how busy our lives were going to be, we were coming around that table. She taught us boys how to cook, and so that way when she got home, most of it was prepped for her to make. But we sat around the table, and we got to know things that were going on. But see, they were coming together, breaking the bread. That fellowship time was allowing their souls to be fed. Now that fellowship time is allowing their bodies to be fed. And it says a lot, I think, of the culture that they lived in. They knew they can come together, and there was... There was a blessing upon them coming together and sharing that time. They also actively attached themselves into prayer. And I think this was the biggest component to the, that 40 days of renewing their mind. Why did we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost? Not because it was prophesied it would be, because of men and women that were in the upper room. They knew who God Christ was at that point. They had seen him defeat death and come back to life. They knew there was something greater for them to do. And so they stayed in his presence as he sent the Holy Spirit day after day after day. Do you think they wanted to give up? I think they probably did at times, but they kept encouraging each other. They stayed in the presence of the Lord and they, they prayed and they sought him and they, they came after him with hunger and thirst to be in his presence, to allow him to renew their minds and to renew their thinking. So that when the day of Pentecost came, they were ready for what God wanted them to do and to march on. They became one in mind and prayer. And I think they had a focus upon themselves with, through that prayer is what will God do through us next? Do you ever think about that yourself? What is God going to do next in your life? Not about what he's going to bless you with or a new job or new car or a new career. Because I think he's bringing people around us each and every day that we could plant a seed in. 
Not to necessarily preach the gospel, but love on them. Show them the love of Jesus. Maybe they haven't asked you for prayer, but you sense something that's going on, and you stop and you pray over them. And they begin to say something is different about them. Why? It's because you just stopped. You weren't looking for anything. You're not trying to grab hold of them. You're just trying to love on them and show the presence of Jesus that's in your life. Prayer is always the mark of believers as they come together and gather. We come together on Wednesday nights for specifically a time of prayer. I want to encourage you, come out this week. Join us at at 6 o'clock as we pray. We're going to move on to verse 43. So they were filled with a sense of awe. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And wonders and signs were taking place through these apostles. Can you imagine walking, knowing that maybe you weren't part of that 120? God began to show me this week. What if, what if you really weren't part of that 20, but you were friends, maybe with Peter? And you, you're watching him like, what is going on with him? You know, he's telling me he's walking on water. It's like, he's just like me. And he's telling me that, you know, he's following this new guy, but I just found out that, you know, the, the police are after him because he cut off the ear of someone that was trying to come after Christ. And yet when he was pressed, he denied that he even knew him. But now I see him standing in the courtyard preaching the gospel. And the other day, man, I was watching he and John. They were going into the temple. And there was this beggar dude. You know, he's been there so long. And he's standing there. And he's asking for money. He's asking for alms. And yet Peter looks at him and said, silver and gold I do not have. But in the name of Jesus, step up and walk. And they helped him up. And he began to walk and dance. Why? Because they stepped out of their, zone, their comfort zone. They stepped out of who the world says they are and began to realize who Jesus has called them to be. Amen. That 40 days in time of prayer begin to release something in their mind, allow them to know it's not me that's doing it. It is the presence of God that is doing it. It is the power of God that rests upon me. Can you imagine how awestruck those friends were? Can you imagine seeing your God healing someone that couldn't walk and yet now they're able to walk? He's now, well, I've seen him heal blind people, but man, now it's these, it was Jesus that did it, but now this is Jesus' followers. And see, we, we leave it there and say, well, that was just for Peter or there are some that say that was just for the time that they lived in. That's, a, that's that part of the lie that the enemy keeps telling us. That's the lie that we keep believing. So we go on with our normal lives and people come around and they're sick and they're hurting. And yet we never take the time to stop and pray with them. We never t- take, the, take the time to pray over them that God would heal them. And you know what the scripture said at that point? That they reached over and they helped him up. So many of us don't even bother to help people up when they're hurting like that. And when they helped him up, strength came in his legs. And he was able to walk around. And that was the miracle that God used upon a a fisherman who weeks earlier denied his presence. Denied that that he was a Christ follower. And yet now everyone can see. Everyone can see. I would have been in awe. Because this is, that's, what, that's who our God is. 
We limit him because of our thinking. We limit him on what he th we think he can do. But he wants to be able to do great things through each one of us. Verse 44 says, And all those who had believed were together and had, one, had all things in common. Here is where the life of Jesus presses into the normal daily routine because it draws Christ's people into something new, that they had all things in common. See, I think that's, an, that's one issue that the big church see struggles with because I believe this, but you believe this, so we can't even talk. Let me tell you something. The main thing that we need to understand is that Jesus Christ died for each one of our sins, that Jesus Christ died for each one of our sins, and that if we ask him, he'll forgive us and wash us anew. That ends it right there. All the doctrine and everything else that's behind it, we're going to heaven. Other things that we lay out are things to help us walk through. And God, Christ didn't create, didn't come here to earth to die for us that we can become separate. He came here that he could he made a way, his father wanted to make a way that we had an avenue through to, to the Lord. He sent his son that that avenue was laid so that we could talk with him. They had things in common because it allowed them, think about it, you get a group of people that believe the same thing and the same focus and the same mindset and what God can begin to do with that. But we're so, we're so used to wanting our way. This is the way church needs to be, or this is the way we've got to act. I don't know. One day we'll ask God when we get into heaven. But as far as I know, when we, when we come together and we have that, that attitude, that commonality, God begins to do great things. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, this is God talking to Ezekiel, said, a new heart I will give you. And a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove your old body, the heart of stone. So we come to Christ, we have that heart of stone. I think sometimes we have that mind of stone, because this is what I believe, and I'm not moving off of it. And we don't allow Christ to move in our hearts and our lives. And so 10 years go by, 20 years go by, 30 years go by. And our relationship has never grown. Our relationship has never moved because we've limited God in every step of our way. This space of common was where life stories, life projects, plans, and purposes were being intercepted in a new orientation. A new, what I'm saying is they did life together. They shared with each other their dreams and their hopes. Yes, and that never went by the wayside. God began to honor honored all those. But they were coming together and sharing that to be able to grow together. Remember, Jesus prayed in John chapter 17. says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me, that through their word that they may all be one. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. What he's saying there is God sent his son. Jesus is in God the Father. 
We can all agree on that, right? He's saying as we believe and we come together with our lives, we, go, we come one with God the Father and God the Son. We agree? So why do we leave his other, why do we think that we can't come become one with other believers? If we have that same mindset and we begin to walk that same way. This, this sense of commonality and the things they had in common is not birthed by just mere words. It is birthed by the Holy Spirit. And I think that's why we see it so strong and so immovable at that time after the Pentecost because the Holy Spirit was moving drastically. Verse 45 says, And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. I used to not understand this, and as I got into this, I have a better understanding, I think, of this passage in this scripture. See, what they're talking about here is sacrifice for each other. It's not that you move into a commune and you're giving up everything and we all come together and we sing Kumbaya, my Lord. No, that's not what we're talking about. What he's talking about here is that we're sacrificing. Yes, we sacrifice daily for Christ. We're sacrificing for each other. Why? Because I love you and your needs. Maybe I don't need this at this point, but I know you're struggling, so I'm going to sell it and then give you the money. And I give it to you and watch what God does with you. Watch how God sets you on fire. These are the things, why it's so important that we understand these passages. But I also love this passage in Deuteronomy that I think explains this whole, out, this whole thing out. It's at 2420. It says, when you beat your olives, beat the olives from your trees, do not go over the branches a second time. Leave what remains for the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows. See, this is woven in throughout the Old Testament. When they would harvest their fields, whatever was left, they allowed those that were foreigners or those that were fatherless or the widows to go through. We saw that in Ruth. Why? It's an attitude of the, that we don't need to keep grabbing everything for ourselves. No, as we take what we need, but God's got others coming behind us. God's come and get others behind us so they can be blessed. Maybe they're not in the same situation. Jesus said it better. I said, he said, take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For the one, one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Guided by the Holy Spirit, these individuals look to Christ. Look to them for each one of their needs. They look for each other to help with, with meeting those specific needs. Titus says that one of the things that happens within us when we experience God's grace is that it makes us zealous for the good deeds. Zealous to do good. Why? That's how we go out and we, we get someone that's in line and behind us and we just pay for their lunch or we pay for their coffee. Or we see a young family sitting at a restaurant and we're there and you know what? God begins to tug on the heart and we just bless them. I always see someone in the church that we know that's, higher, that's struggling and we just want to be able to bless them and put something in their hands. Verse 26, or verse 46, excuse me, says, Day by day they were continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together and with gladness and sincerity of heart. See, I, I love that portion. They were taking it with gladness 
and sincerity of heart. If I can have the worship team come on back up. Think about your time. See, I know that our time when, when our family still gets together and we get across the table with each other and we cut up, we talk about things when we're children, we talk about stupid things that we might have done. But there's, there's a love and a laughter and a gladness just to be around family. And I want to say something. If you've struggled with your family, maybe that's one of those things that the enemy has hindered you on because the way you grew up, your family dynamic wasn't that. And that maybe as you grew up and that's left marks on you, spending time in the presence of God doesn't necessarily take all the hurt away. I think it can, but I think it helps us as we deal with it and learn that God had great, something greater in store for each one of us and what God has asked us to do. We close with four, verse 47. It says, Praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. See, I love that passage. They were praising God. See, I, I, I struggle with certain things. I don't know about anyone else, but there are things that my, the old nature creeps up at times. But I know when I begin to, to come into God's presence and I begin to sing whatever song that's on my heart and I begin to raise my hands, his presence fills that room. No matter what I'm struggling with, no matter what I'm fighting off, the enemy is pushed to the side. Because when we focus and we magnify ourselves on our particular issues, everything just becomes about them. But we see what this first church what God did with them in renewing their hearts and renewing their minds is that they continually live by pushing their, their ideas, their deeds, and what they wanted to the side. And through that, God began to do miraculous things. He began to, began to see great works done. See, he wasn't done with Peter. Peter didn't come to when he stood up and preached and when he helped that, heal that man. Later in Acts, we see where Peter had struggled with, with being prejudiced. Yet he was open to his teaching when God in a dream revealed to him what was hindering him in his walk. And Peter submitted to that. Is that where your heart is today? See, along our journey, there are things that God continually pulls out of us. I don't care how old we become and where we're at. God can still pull things out of us as he did with Peter that day. Last week, pa Pastor mentioned and showed you our mission and our vision statement. We have it on all the tables. We have it in the foyer now. But as he read that mission statement, our mission statement says, lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. I'll tell you, that's not just the mission of this church. Because if you go into the Gospels and you begin to read, that is the mission of every believer. Because Jesus said, our number one responsibility is what? To make disciples. Our number one job as a believer is to make disciples. It's not your ministry. It's not your gifting. It's to make disciples. 
Yes, he pours out his anointing that we can walk in the gifting he's given us. But if we leave aside those individuals that do not know and we're not helping those come to Christ and walk them through that, then we have totally forgotten and we've laid aside what the mission of God is on earth. That's why Jesus came to set us free. That's why Jesus went to hell to come back to live, that the bonds of the enemy will be broken over us, that we can fulfill that mission he has called us to. Will you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray today over everyone that is here, Lord. Your anointing and your spirit is mighty in this house today. Lord, and I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Father, for those that do not think that they have anything left in them to give to you, that they do not have anything, no gifting in their, in their lives to be able to touch this world for you. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus. Father, we, we ask that that, not, that that nonsense be taken out, Father God, and remind them what Philippians 4.13 says, that I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. That when we begin to set our mind on what we're going to do and we begin to move out, God, you begin to honor those steps as we fulfill your mission. We begin to think differently as we fulfill your mission. We begin to speak differently as we fulfill your mission. We begin to watch around for those that you bring into our lives that we can help fulfill the mission you've called us to. And if you're here this morning, and I want to say if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that maybe this some of this resonated with you, but like you don't have a relationship, or that's not where your relationship is at, I want to ask just to, to raise your hands so that I can just keep in my prayer. Anyone? If you're here this morning and this resonated with you. You've struggled with maybe stepping out of your comfort zone. You've struggled with doing what God's called you to do. He's unctioned you at times, but you felt inferior. You felt that you didn't have the gifting or you felt that you were fear became on you and you couldn't do it. But you want to change that. You don't want to be that way. If that's where you're at today, no one look around. I just ask you to raise your hands. So I can keep you in prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to ask if everyone would just stand to their feet. Church, I'm all, these altars are open this morning. I truly believe God has called us to a new, a new avenue and a new step in our faith and our walk with allowing the Holy Spirit to move. I truly do believe that as he says that those of us that walk out this, signs and wonders will follow us as we begin to carry out his mission. So we're going to open up these, these altars, and if you want a time of prayer, I want to encourage you to step out today. That's where, If your prayer was, Lord, I, I'm just not there yet, but I pray. Begin to pray and begin to believe what God will begin to do in your life. So, Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you today, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray over everyone that is here this morning, Lord God, 
I pray, give us a gumption of the Holy Spirit, Lord God, that as we walk and as we see those in this community that maybe are hurting, may we have the wherewithal to step down and step over to them and say, in silver and gold, I do not have, but in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. May we speak that into their lives. May the Holy Spirit move upon us like we've never had before because we dare to believe that we can be world changers because of what the Spirit of God is doing in us. We dare to believe that we can change this world because God, you have renewed our mind. You've set inside of us a new heart and a new mind to dare to believe what we can do if we give our time, we give our fears over to you. Lord, I pray we begin to hear testimony after testimony how we've touched our community. Not for the sake of just numbers, but the sake of touching people in our community to be able to make disciples. And we've created that mission. Lord, I thank you for your time this morning. We're so careful to give you the praise, the honor and glory today, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen.